that's cheerful. That's cheerful music today. I love it. Makes me feel like I'm floating. Uh, hey, welcome everybody. Glad you're here to Axis Church. And I just want to say that um, I see a few new families here. My name is Stephen, and I'm lead pastor at Axis. And I would love to get to know you. So I will be out in the lobby afterwards, and I would love to get to know your story. And I'm not here every weekend because we also have a campus in Middletown, and so I go between the campuses about every other weekend, and, and uh, I'm trying to you know, build up there and get to know people up there as well. But I would just love to get to know you, and we're just really glad that you're here today. Uh, a couple weeks ago when I was here, uh, I described an event in college uh, where we played donkey basketball. Some of you, you didn't believe me, so I provided yearbook pictures from 1992. Uh, donkey basketball, the one on top, I'm shooting the rock, as we say. And in the bottom, I am trying to steal the ball from our disciplinary dean, Dean Derry, from our, our school. Never a good when you're trying to steal the ball from uh, those who are in charge of your discipline at college. But those of you who didn't believe me, there's your proof. And I uh, hope, you, hope you enjoy that. Uh, hey, some of you have wondered, what are we going to do for uh, Ukraine? And uh, we have made a partnership with Lifeline Christian Mission, who uh, we're involved with in El Salvador. And some of you may remember, we did a food packing event here several years ago, but it was for the people of Haiti. And Lifeline is sending food, uh, grain, and things like this to the people of Ukraine that are refugees now in Poland and surrounding areas. And so I'll give you more details about that coming up. Uh, you'll have the opportunity to pack food. We'll probably do it right here in this room. And, uh, and then we'll also be giving money to that so that we can help Lifeline send that food to our contacts in Poland and surrounding areas so that we can help provide for the people there. Uh, let me uh, have prayer with you. God, we're so thankful today for just your provision for us. And God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to serve people around the world. We can't do everything, but we can do something. And so God, what we can do, we will do. And we'll do it with all joy and the ability to just say we want to serve those in need. And so God, thank you for that opportunity. Lord, I pray that today we would be moved by not my words or by the things that we do, but we would be moved by the power of your Spirit as we learn more about the character of who you are, God, your faithfulness, your provision, your guidance in our life, and for that we're thankful. We pray this in your name. Amen. The power of a promise is incredible. It is impossible for us to overestimate the impact a promise can make on us and on those to whom we make our promises. Mark Hansen tells this story that in 1989, an 8.2 earthquake almost flattened the country of Armenia, killing 30,000 people in less than four minutes. In the midst of the utter devastation and chaos, a father left his wife securely at home with their family, and he rushed to the school where his son was at school. And when he got there, he realized the devastation and that the building had been utterly demolished. And immediately, he started to try to sift through the rubble. He remembered where he drops off his son at school every day. And he remembered where the classroom was. And when he went there, that classroom was also destroyed. And he began to, to pick up rocks and try to move the rubble. After the traumatic initial shock, he remembered a promise that he had made to his son once. 
no matter what, I will always be there for you. Tears filled his eyes as he looked at the rubble in front of him, and he kept remembering his commitment to his boy, I will always be there for you. And so he moved rubble piece after piece. Other parents came, utterly devastated, and through their tears told this father, it's too late, there's nothing you could do. And yet he continued to move the rocks. And then the firemen, when the came and they began to move rubble. They said, you need to go home. You're just in the way. Just move aside. Let us do our job. And yet he continued to move rock after rock, remembering his promise, I will always be there for for you. The police did the same. Move away. We'll take care of it. Nobody helped this dad. So courageously, he proceeded alone because he needed to know for himself if his son was dead or alive. He dug with his hands for eight hours, 12 hours, 24 hours, 36 hours. And in the 38th hour, he pulled back a boulder and he heard his son's voice. He screamed his son's name, Armand, Armand. And the boy answered back, Dad, Dad, is that you? I told the other kids not to worry. I told them that if you were alive, you would save me. And when you saved me, you would save them. You promised no matter what, you'd be there. And the dad said, what's going on in there? How is it? And the son said, there are 14 of us out of the 33. The others are are dead. We're scared. We're hungry. We're thirsty. We're so glad you're here. Somehow when the rubble collapsed, it provided a triangle for us that we could be in. And the father said, come on out. And the son said, no, dad, take the other kids first because I know that you will keep your promise to me. The boy trusted his father. And in the worst moment of his life, he remembered his promise. The power of a promise is incredible. The pain of a broken promise is indescribable. You said you would, but you didn't. You said it was forever, but it wasn't. You said you would be there, but you weren't. An eight-year-old child says to the parent, but you promised. You promised you would take me to the game. You promised to be home early. You promised you would take us to church. I know, I know. I'll make it up to you. Brothers and sisters, we serve a God who never has to make it up to us because he is always faithful to his promise. We serve a God who always keeps his word. Deuteronomy chapter 7 verse 9 reads, Know therefore that the Lord your God, he is faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commands. We've been in this series called Love Psalms, and we've been looking at the character of God through uh, the words of the Psalms. And today we're looking at Psalm 89, and we are going to see that love is faithful and that God is faithful to us. No matter what we're going through, God is faithful. And we're going to see that in three important ways today. And the first one is that God is faithful in his character. Look at verse uh, 1 and 2 of chapter 89. It says, I will sing of the Lord's great love forever. My mouth, I will make known your faithfulness through all generations. I will declare that your love stands firm forever, and that you have established your faithfulness in heaven itself. I love that phrase, you've established your faithfulness in heaven itself. Before even time began, God had established who he was. He was a faithful God. 
That's just part of his character. He's consistent. In verse 7, it says, In the counsel of the holy ones, God is greatly feared. He is more awesome than all who surround him. Who is like you, Lord God Almighty? You, Lord, are mighty, and your faithfulness surrounds you. That idea that faithfulness just is so much of his character, it surrounds him. James chapter 1, verse 17 says, God does not change like shifting shadows. But you know who does? We do. People are like that. People change like shifting shadows. But God, he's reliable. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Think for a minute about how faithful God was to keep his promises in the Old Testament. In Genesis chapter 22, verse 17, God promised Abraham a son. Abraham was 100 years old. And, and childless, he doubted God's promise. Sarah was 90 years old and barren, and she laughed at God's promise. And who wouldn't? I mean, think about taking out uh, Medicare so that you can cover your maternity bill. It's very unusual. But God was faithful. And he does what he always does, and he does what he says he's going to do. And a miracle baby was born to Abraham and Sarah, and they named him Isaac, which, which means laughter. And from the one came millions of descendants. And so every time you see someone with a Jewish heritage, you remember that God is faithful to his word. Psalm 33 verse 4 says, for the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. Oswald Chambers calls that God say so. What he says, he will do. God promised the Israelite people once they got into the promised land, if he if they obeyed him, they would be blessed. But if they disobeyed him, the land would be cursed and would not produce. Anybody here ever been to Israel? Roy and Lisa uh, from our church are uh, in Israel right now. And they're experiencing the great things about Israel. But you know, one of the things that's not great about Israel, the vegetation. It's a very barren land, and yet you remember when God promised the Israelites, I'm going to send you to a land filled with milk and honey, and there's grapes, and there's fruit, and there's all this. And you, when you see the land today, you think, that's not the way it is at all. And do you know why? Because God's faithful. He told the people of Israel that if you disobey me, the land would become barren. Deuteronomy chapter 29, it's not on the screen, but listen to what he said. He said, your children who follow you in later generations and foreigners who come from distant lands will see the calamities that have fallen on the land and the diseases with which the Lord has afflicted it. The whole land will be a burning waste of salt and sulfur, nothing planted, nothing sprouting, no vegetation growing on it. And all the nations will ask, why has the Lord done this to this land? Why this fierce burning anger? And the answer will be, it is because the people abandoned the covenant of the Lord. They went off and worshiped other gods and bowed down to them. Therefore, the Lord's anger burned against this land so that he brought on it all the curses written in the book. And the Lord uprooted them from their land and thrust them into another land as it is now. God did exactly as he said he would do. When the Israelites disobeyed, they were taken into captivity. They were dispersed throughout all the world, and the land became a barren land. So God is faithful to his promise, both in his love and the way that he disciplines those he loves. Of course, one of the most remarkable ways that God shows his faithfulness is in sending Jesus Christ to the world. 
We've said before there are something like 330 predictions of the Old Testament prophesying a Messiah to come. And many of those predictions about a coming Messiah were very specific. Micah predicts the place of his birth in Bethlehem. Isaiah said he would be born of a virgin. It was prophesied that the Messiah would ride on the back of a donkey into Jerusalem, a donkey that had never been ridden. It was predicted that he would be betrayed by a friend for 30 pieces of silver and that he would die among thieves. In fact, Psalm 22 says, They will look upon the one whom they have pierced. And it describes the crucifixion in graphic detail 700 years before crucifixion was even invented. The Bible prophesied that they would cast lots for his garments, that, they would be, that he would be buried in a borrowed tomb, and that he would be raised again from the dead. And every time, God kept his promise. The Bible says in Isaiah 46, 9, I am God and there is no other. There is none like me. I make known the end from the beginning. From ancient times, what is still to come. What I have said, that I will bring about. What I have planned to do, that I will do. Friends, we serve a faithful God who is faithful in his character. And when you think about Jesus dying on the cross and raising from the dead, you remember that God is faithful in his character. That was God's say-so. And friends, we need to remember that today. Because as we look around the world and we see the tragedies that are happening, and by the way, this kind of tragedy and evil in our world has happened from the very beginning of time itself. We right now, though, have a front row seat to see the kind of inhumane decisions that are made against people. And in the middle of that, we might be tempted to think, where is God in the middle of all this? Is he asleep at the wheel? Where is he? And the Bible tells us over and over again that if you want to know how to handle the present, you look back at the faithfulness of God in the past. Remember what he has done. Remember what God has done in the past will help you to survive the present and to find strength. Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 17 says, You may say to yourself, these nations are stronger than we are. How can we drive them out? But do not be afraid of them, God told the Israelites. Remember well what the Lord our God did to Pharaoh and to all of Egypt. And he's telling the Israelites, don't lose heart. I've taken you, care of you in the past. I will take care of you again in the future. And so the Bible predicted that Jesus Christ would die for the sins of the world, and he did. He prophesied that he would come back from the grave, and he did. He predicted his church would endure forever, and it has. He predicted that heaven and earth will pass away, but his word will never pass away. And the very fact that we are meeting today is a testimony to the faithfulness of God. He is not out to lunch. He is on the throne, and, and, he, and our God reigns. And no matter the kind of struggles that are around us, we know that in the middle of that, people are still finding their relationship with God and their hope in things other than this world. He is consistent in his character. What he says, he will do. There's another way he's faithful, and that's in his creation. Look at verse 5 of chapter 89. It says, the heavens praise your wonders, Lord, your faithfulness too. In the assembly of the holy ones, for who in the skies above can compare with the Lord? Who is like the Lord among the heavenly beings? You rule over the surging sea. When its waves mount up, you still them. The heavens are yours, and yours also the earth. 
You founded the world and all that is in it. You created the north and the south. And in those verses, we see that God is faithful in his creation. Verse 5 says, even the heavens praise your wonders, Lord. And, And we see the faithfulness of God in the heavens. We see it in the rotation of the planets. We see it in the miracle of gravity. We see it in the exact placement of the earth in the universe, so much so that it can provide and sustain human life. If, if one little thing was changed about gravity or the tilting of the earth or its distance from the sun, human life would not exist here. And that reminds us that God is faithful in the heavens and on the earth. Eclipses of the sun are predicted in their exact path and timing. Why? Because we're so smart? No, because God is so faithful. It's that way again and again. They can predict it. J. Wallace Hamilton reported on the world's most accurate clock. It loses one-tenth of a second every five years. And do you know why they, that they know that it loses one-tenth of a second every five years? Because they time it against another clock, the rotation of the earth on its axis around the sun. Weathermen will say, uh, sunrise tomorrow, 6.23 a.m., and it never surprises us. Why? Because God's faithful. Somebody said once, maybe the very constancy of his goodness dims our gratitude. Because the sun shines every day, we scarcely notice it. Because the seasons come with constant regularity, we're more impressed by the occasional calamity. The process of nature through which God's faithfulness is expressed is so reliable that we substitute the uniformity of nature for the goodness of the Father. And like spoiled children, take his faithfulness as a matter of course and rarely lift our hearts to heaven in real gratitude. We see the faithfulness of God in the creation around us and we see it in the constancy of the seasons even. Hey, it's, it's spring right now, amen? And uh, I'm excited and uh, I'm glad coming out of the doldrums of winter and the happiness and joy of the springtime. And, uh, and, and all God's people said, Okay, yeah, thank you. Thank you for participating. I appreciate it. In Genesis 8, verse 32, after the flood, God said to Noah, I will not destroy the earth again as I have done. As long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. I'll be faithful in providing a constant change of the seasons, summer and winter, seed time and harvest. So every time the season changes, you remember our God is faithful. By the way, that's one reason that I'm not overly concerned with various scientists or climatologists talking about us only having 10 years left on this earth. I've been around the earth for a while now, and in the 1970s when I was a kid, yes, I said it, the 1970s when I was a kid, the experts talked about global cooling, and there was going to be another ice age And then as I got older, it changed, and we talked about global warming and how the ice caps were now melting. And because of the inconsistencies, they eventually just went to climate change. So whether or not it's cold or it's hot, they're covered. And I've just learned in my life that if the weatherman can't predict what's going to happen tomorrow, the climatologists are probably not going to be able to predict what happens decades from now. And you know what? I do know who can, the God who promised that this world will not end until the moment 
when our faithful God says so. Man is like shifting shadows. Expert opinions will always change. But God said, I will be faithful. So when you hear predictions about the earth's resources being inadequate or the end of all mankind, don't be easily persuaded. God is faithful. We should be good stewards of it. We should take care of his creation. We should treat it with respect. But let's remember that God is faithful. His creation will endure, and it is a lot more durable than what most of us would ever give it credit for. The third thing I would say is that God is faithful in his compassion and provision for man. Psalm 89 verse 14 says, Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. Blessed are those who have learned to acclaim you, who walk in the light of your presence, Lord. They rejoice in your name all day long. They celebrate your righteousness. For you are their glory and their strength. And by your favor, you exalt our horn. Indeed, our shield belongs to the Lord, our King to the Holy One of Israel. And those verses say that God is faithful, not just in his character or in his creation. He's faithful to you and me in his compassion and provision for people. He was faithful in how he saved us. Psalm 89 says that God is righteous and just, but God said about us that there is no one righteous, not even one, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And yet, because of that sin, God's justice demanded a payment for sin. In the Old Testament, he said, I'm going to send a Messiah upon whom the iniquity or the sin of everyone will be laid upon him. And God was faithful. Jesus came and he died on the cross as a substitute for our sins. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever would believe in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. That's God's say so. A few years ago, we witnessed the 50th anniversary of D-Day. Time magazine reported that if the war were the century's turning point, the turning point of the war was D-Day. After nearly two years of planning D-Day, it became the largest military invasion in history. 6,800 ships, 12,000 planes, 154,000 soldiers, but it was costly to turn back Hitler's politics of organized insanity. 2,500 men were killed the first day. Another 6,500 were wounded. Now keep in mind, Those soldiers weren't fighting for land or oil. They were fighting for freedom and the dignity and compassion of mankind. Of course, they were terrified, but they were faithful. They were loyal to their promise to defend their country and to fight for freedom. And they put their lives on the line because they had this sense of duty for their country, love for their country, love for freedom. A number of D-Day veterans traveled to France a few years ago for a dramatic reunion and reenactment of the battle uh, on D-Day. And one ex-captain told of being accompanied by a private who was there to take messages and run errands and above all to protect his superior officer. And as the two of them approached a clearing in a hedgerow, the private said to his captain that I will walk ahead and I will cover you. And as soon as he stepped out, From that hedgerow, he was gunned down. And the captain said that story could be told over and over and over again as one man gave his life for another. And that is faithfulness. But as amazing as that is, that sacrifice does not compare 
to over 2,000 years ago when Jesus Christ stormed the gates of this planet to take on the forces of the evil one. He was given an assignment to die in our place that we might be free from sin and death and hell, and he was faithful. He went to the cross. He took our place, the place of Americans and British and Germans and Japanese, and his death was not the turning point of a century. It was the turning point of all eternity. His faithfulness gives us freedom for eternity, and now we can rejoice that our God is faithful, and that is the reason that we rejoice all day long, as the scripture says here. God was faithful also in giving us his presence. Verse 15 said that we walk in the light of his presence. And and when you become a Christian, you not only receive forgiveness of your sins, you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You receive God's presence in your life. And how many of us know we sure need his presence today? I mean, we need to have God walking with us. The Bible says, Jesus said, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I am with you always, even at the end of the age. And we need to know that today because when we're going through good or bad times, we need to know that God himself walks with us through those times. He's faithful in his presence. He's faithful in giving you strength for the day. Verse 17 says, God is our glory and our strength. God promises to give us what we need when we need it. What we need when we need it. You remember in the Old Testament with the Israelites, when he would give the children of Israel manna on the ground every morning that they could collect for food. And he said, now I'm going to be faithful to my promise and I'm going to give you that every morning. You can't collect it because it's going to spoil And what that's going to teach you is that every morning you have to depend upon me. Every day, I'm going to give you your daily bread. And that's why in the Lord's Prayer, when we pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. What he's saying is, God, we want to trust in you every day in the middle of of what we're going through. I love the plaque that says, Lord, help me to remember that nothing's going to happen to me today that you and I can't handle together. Thank you for that. (laughs) It's true, isn't it? I love that scripture in Romans that says, remember that God's going to bring about good out of your circumstance for those who love him. And, And listen, I know that now that we have a front row seat to things that are happening in a very unnecessary and evil war in Ukraine, We're still seeing God show up in the lives of real people. Just yesterday, I watched a video of of 13 people being baptized into Christ in a makeshift baptism in in a place in in Ukraine. And and you think our tank is makeshift. Uh, They had just a tarp laid over this little area that was dug out, and they put water in it. And people were being baptized into Christ. And remember that somehow in the middle of evil, God still brings about good. And it's not just for today, it's forever. Our world is floundering without a lot of hope. Crime and disease and chemical addiction and war are problems. They seem to have no human solution. But friends, one day Jesus Christ will return to this earth. He promised, I will come again. And Hebrews chapter 6 verse 19 says, We have this hope as an anchor for our souls, firm and secure. I, I think I've told this story before, but I love this story. And it's by a pastor named R.G. Lee, and he was preaching. And he tells a story where he was on the front porch with his grandma, and, and they were in Tennessee, and, and he was lying on his stomach and his face cupped in his hands. And he's like, Grandma, what was the happiest day of your life? And she said, well, 
In order to tell you about the happiest day of my life, I'd have to tell you about the saddest day of my life. And she said, I was right here on this porch. And I was there with uh, my mom. And it was the saddest day because uh, I was about your age. And we were out here and a man came down that lane. And he told my mother, your great-grandmother, that my daddy had been killed in the Civil War. That's the saddest day of my life. I loved my dad, and I missed him. And my mother tried to be strong, but I'd hear her crying in the bedroom at night, and she wasn't strong. But the happiest day of my life came several months later. I was about your age now. We were out here on the front porch, and she was breaking beans and sitting in that rocking chair. And, and suddenly, she looked up, and she said, well, my, that looks like your daddy comes down the road. And I said, now, Mama, don't be foolish. You know Dad's gone. And I looked at her, and her jaw dropped, and she leapt on two feet out of that chair, and the beans went spraying everywhere. And she said, my child, that is your daddy. And she ran down that lane, and I looked up, and I could recognize that, that, that at that gate that that was my dad. And so I ran down, and they were hugging each other, and I just got involved in that huddle. And here we are huddling together and all embracing one another. That was the happiest day of my life. Sometimes people ask me, you know, Stephen, in your family, you guys have had some difficult times in the last few years. You know, your, your dad passed away of cancer, and then a couple years later, your sister passed away. And how do you endure things like that? How do you stay positive in the middle of things like that? Well, because I trust in the faithful God who said, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, even though he dies, yet shall he live. And the happiest day of your life is going to be when you move from this side of heaven to that side of heaven. That's why we don't get caught up in all of the things of this world where we just get so devastated by it. We can't even make it out of it. We say, how are we going to endure this? Listen, people all over the world are enduring hardship, and we endure it because we know that this world is not our home. We're just passing through. And our job is to be ready for the next life, to that moment where the very first face we see in heaven is the face of our Savior who says, well done, good and faithful servant. And then the next face, I believe it will be the face of my dad, the face of my sister, the face of other people that, have, that I've loved over the years, people in churches that we served, and, and they just come up and, hey, you're here. Oh, we're so excited. And we got so much to tell you about. We got so much to show you. That'll be the happiest day of your life. In Titus, it says, Faith, we have faith and knowledge that rests on the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised. That's what faithfulness is all about. God, we love you. We thank you for your faithfulness. God, we thank you that no matter what's happening in people's lives today, here or around the world, that God, we can still have purpose and hope. We, we, we can still offer a, a, literally a cup of cold water or a cup of food in Jesus' name. The ability to tell people around the world that you matter. You matter to us. You matter to God. And so God, would, I just pray that we would live our lives every day in a way that says, look, we're, we're not perfect. Look, we make mistakes as people, but, but we serve a God who is utterly faithful. 
a God who always keeps his promises. And so we're not shaken. We don't go one way or the other. We don't get pushed to and fro from the storms of life or from the opinions of others. We know, God, that this world will endure as long as you deem it so. We know that one day you will return. We know that you promised us eternal life. We know that we are hopeful in heaven. We know that you will walk with us day to day through the challenges of this life. And God, for those reasons, we just say thank you, God, for being the ultimate promise keeper. And God, we love you and we thank you. We praise you in Jesus' name.